Well, we're going to shoot through here, and if you want to turn to John chapter 10, this is one of Dave Chapman's favourite chapters in the Bible, especially John 10.10, and uh, he's built his the name of his business on John 10.10. But I'm going to quickly go through this. The shepherd of the sheep. Now, this is a kind of a typical sheepfold in the UK that uh, looks after the shepherd and the sheep. Now, the Bible Encyclopedia says this, that at night, sheep are driven into a sheepfold if they're in a district where there is danger from robbers or wild beasts. And these, uh, these... kind of enclosures are very simple, usually made out of stone or some other material. This one is a bit typical for Europe, really, and more the, more the UK. But here's one that uh, I found on the internet that was a bit more typical, maybe, of, of the Middle East, that's a bit taller, and it has kind of brushwood, thorny-type material on the top of it to try and prevent people from climbing in and stealing the sheep. Sometimes there would be uh, a little hut for the shepherd inside it, but that's quite an elaborate one. You wouldn't necessarily find that out in the wilderness area, you know, the, the, the wilds of Scotland or even the wilds of the desert uh, around in Israel. I, I like some of these graphics and playing about with it. So, so, But where there was no danger of them being attacked, then it'd often be out in the fields at night. I mean, we're all aware of the scriptures that are used when it comes to the, the, uh, the Christmas story where the shepherds are out in the field watching their flocks by night and behold, the angel of the Lord comes out and all that stuff. But they would ordinarily be out there. But here's something interesting, because you might not know this, that in the winter time, often they would find caves to put the sheep in. And I found this as well. It says that the antiquity of the use of some of the caves for this purpose is indicated, you'll like this for the chemists among you, indicated by the thick deposit of potassium nitrate formed from the decomposition of the sheep dung. Now, you wanted to know that, didn't you? That's been really helpful to you. But they found that in the caves. So even in the winter time, the sheep might well be out, but they would, the shepherd would be looking for somewhere that would protect the sheep because they didn't have all the natural food stuffs that we have these days, you know, uh, bags of uh, pre-made pellets to feed the animals. Often they'd have to find the grazing wherever it was and so they'd be out and about. Here's a very rustic uh, little sheepfold with the shepherd there. And here's another one, which I quite like the look of, because this is really helpful when we're going to read John chapter 10. So you've got the enclosure there. It's really important, obviously, for the protection against wild animals. And you would see that you've got that opening in it where you, the sheep would go in, and then the shepherd would actually sit in that little hole. So the idea is this. If a wolf or a sheep, a wolf or another animal or even a person wants to come and try and take the sheep or a lamb, then they've got to climb over the shepherd to get in there. Sometimes they would light a fire, but often the shepherd would lie in the doorway. So the shepherd would become the door, okay, of the sheep. And then in the morning, the shepherd would call his sheep 
and they would exit because they knew his voice, yes? Now, here's a young shepherdess, and uh, she's a bit perplexed because she's not quite sure where the sheep have gone. So, there we go. I just came across his picture. I thought, I, I must use that sometime. So, there you go. I've used it now. Okay. Now, this guy, I haven't got a clue who this guy is, D- uh, Dixon, but when he was out and he was visiting the Arabs, he came across something really interesting that kind of helps us to understand this relationship that particularly the Oriental shepherd in the East had with his sheep. And he said, yeah, okay, intimate knowledge. I couldn't believe this sheep. Anyway, that was just another picture, you know, and I just thought to brighten up the morning, just, just in case you were getting bored with, with me talking. So this was the deal, okay? One evening after dark, this Arab shepherd began to call out the names of his 51 mother sheep. He was able to pick out the lambs as well and actually give them back to the mother, give them to the right mother. Now, he makes this point that to do this in the light, in the daytime, would be a very difficult thing. Most of you will probably look at a flock of sheep in the field and think they all look the same. Is that right? Um, But they don't. Apparently, they often give a name to every sheep uh, and they know those sheep by name. Uh, like we might name, uh, you know, a cat or a dog or even a, a, anybody that has a horse, you know, you'd give them, give them names. They would do that. So the actual fact that this guy witnessed that this shepherd, in all the bleating, the bleating of the lambs wanting to find mum and the bleating of the mum calling out to their lambs so that they could hear. And I've worked on a farm for three years with sheep. And uh, I couldn't tell the difference between any of them and I couldn't even discern any different intonation in the bah. You know what I'm saying? And yet, this shepherd knew which lambs went with which mother. Isn't that amazing? Now, here's the point. No oriental shepherd had a more intimate knowledge of the sheep than Jesus as our great shepherd. He knows us. He knows everything about us. He is the good shepherd. So, we're going to read together John chapter 10. Are you ready? Because that's the backdrop now. Okay, I'm going to read and I'm going to read quite quickly. So, John chapter 10. Now, oh, I just need to say this as well. In John chapter 9, we have the miracle where a blind man that was blind from birth is healed by Jesus. Now, the big problem was... Jesus did it on the Sabbath day. And you're not allowed to do anything on the Sabbath day. Rules and regulations, confinement, all the rest of it. So the Pharisees are really not happy about Jesus at all. And uh, interestingly, just at the start of chapter 9, in bold heading of, uh, over that, uh, that portion of scripture, it says, a man born blind receives sight. And you want to say, yeah, great, good on you, Jesus, wonderful. And then the next uh, bold headline says, the Pharisees excommunicate the healed man. What? The church said, get out, we don't want you. We don't like this healing deal. What is the problem? The religious leaders were not happy. We could say a lot about that, about religious leaders. The church leaders 
were not happy that Jesus was doing things because he wasn't doing it the way that they thought he should do it. Okay, anyway, I could say a lot about that, but this is the context now in which Jesus is talking because there are, are probably all sorts of people around him, but there's several Pharisees that are there as well. So Jesus says this to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And to him the doorkeeper opens. Now sometimes there was a doorkeeper who was in charge of the sheepfold and he would let the shepherd go in and deal with that. But you wouldn't find generally a doorkeeper out in the wilderness. Do you understand that? But in this case Jesus is talking about a doorkeeper and the sheep hear his voice of the shepherd and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, so he realises it's not going in. They're looking blank and the Pharisees don't want, they're kind of antagonistic towards him. If you don't want change and don't want God to change your heart, you won't receive the things of the Spirit. But if you're open to him and you want to receive and you're desirous, then you will receive. Because then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He's really hitting them. Now, I'm the door. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly." I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, so that's someone who's a paid employee, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Is only interested in his wages at the end of the week. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I'm known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. So he was talking mainly there, or maybe almost exclusively to Jews. Okay, that was his audience. So he's saying that he has other sheep that are not of this fold. Who's that? They're the Gentiles, the non-Jews. So Jesus is making this point. I love this one. All the sheep I have who are not of this fold, them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be, what? One flock and one shepherd. 
yeah, one fold or one flock and one shepherd. Hey, those people that believe in replacement theology that God has got no place for Israel in these end times or that the church has replaced Israel in God's plans and purposes, hey, read John chapter 10. It ain't difficult. You could share that with somebody. You could say, well, who is Jesus talking about? I've got other sheep that are not part of this fold and there will be one flock. There'll be one group. There'll be one shepherd over that one group. One new man, Jew and Gentile, which are going to be together. Hallelujah. Come on, that's in the New Testament. We've been contending with some things this morning. We're contending with the fact that we need to pray for Israel. They're the root. We're grafted in and we need them and they need us. Together we're going to be built together as a house of prayer for all nations and we're going to serve the nations together with the Lord Jesus Christ. Good stuff. Okay, there will be one flock, one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, He has a demon and he's mad. Why do you listen to him? Has anybody ever said to that? Why do you go to church? Why are you a Christian? What's that? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you pray? Why do you do those things? This guy's crazy. Others said, These are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And then it goes on to say, now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem and it was winter. Amen. Now I could say a lot about this. We might revisit this about the shepherd and the sheep. He knows you intimately. He knows you intimately. He knows more than just your name. He hears that voice and it resonates in his spirit and he is attentive to your voice. That's why we have to speak out when we're in a public setting like this. When we come corporately together, he wants to hear your voice because it's unique. Now, we can tell a difference as well because if I answer the phone and Dave Chapman's on the line and maybe he only needs to say one word or two words and I know it's Dave. I might know it very differently from Rosie because she's got an Irish accent. Or if when Alexis was praying in the watch this morning... I heard this little voice singing and I knew who it was because I could catch the Scottish accent. But you know, when we think about those sheep, I can't tell the difference when I've been in a flock of sheep. But you know what? If the shepherd can hear that, an ordinary human being, how much more will our Heavenly Father, as the Good Shepherd, hear us? Whether we're you know, in the darkness, whether we're up against it, whether we think the next situation... If it does not break through now, this is it, I'm finished, I'm through. If it seems impossible, hey, he hears and he answers. And this has been a great push-through, breakthrough morning. So, it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem. Do you know what that Feast of Dedication was? It was Hanukkah, exactly. And Jesus was going to be celebrating that as well. So, we're just going to quickly 
whisk through this. Today is the 6th of December, right? So tonight it starts. And if you want to be a part of it, you can light one candle tonight for Hanukkah. It's an eight-day thing. If you haven't got a Hanukkah menorah, there's some in the bookshop. The only trouble is they are quite small and you'd have a job getting a wick and, or even a candle in there. You might be able to get a birthday candle in it. That would be about the best you get. But you could do that. We can do this one because it's a whole lot bigger, but we wanted all of them today. That's only the seven branch, yeah, it's not the nine branch. Okay, so it goes for a full week. It's sometimes referred to as the Festival of Lights. And here's the history behind it. We've got to go back to December 168 BC when this Greek king moved into Jerusalem and into uh, the area that's today referred as Israel or Palestine. And he brought an army with him that was supposed to be on a mission of peace, but they actually turned on the population and they started killing men, women and children and actually wiped out 80,000 of the Jews. They burned the city, they plundered. And then they set up new laws actually forbidding different Jewish practices on the penalty of death. So they weren't very nice at all. But then on top of that, they also set up uh, in the temple, in the Jewish temple, idols and they started sacrificing pigs and shedding the blood of pigs in that place as well. And obviously it was a major affront to the people. They were not just subduing the Jews, but they were rubbing their noses in this, trying to cause them to be very, very offended. So it did upset them, but they were afraid of the reprisals if they rose up against uh, this army. And then a year later, the emperor as well made the observance of Judaism an offence. And he also ordered the Jews to begin worshipping Greek gods. So this is the background to it, okay? Everybody with me so far? I think a lot of you know, but for new people or for visitors, you might not know this. Now, resistance broke out in one particular village in Jerusalem where they, they ordered the high priest to actually sacrifice a pig. They wanted them to bow down and to eat a pig and obviously this was forbidden for the Jews, and this high priest was kind of being cajoled into doing this before the people, but he refused to do it. And then one of the other villagers actually stepped forward and said, I'll do it just to cause any animosity and any issue. So he said he would do that, but this high priest actually was so angry that he actually took his sword out and killed this man in the village, this fellow Jew, and he turned on the Greek officer and killed him. Then his five sons and the other villagers turned on the Greek army in that village. So there'd only be a few soldiers, but they turned on them and they killed all of them. And this started then a major Jewish uprising. And over a few years, only a, a short number of years, with guerrilla warfare, the Jews were able to rout the Greek army, the professional trained army, and got rid of them, and they retook the land. Now, there was uh, one particular guy, Judah, who became known as uh, Judah the Maccabee, the hammer, because of his ferocity in battle, 
and you probably have heard about the Maccabees or sometimes they're known as the Hasmoneans who were a part of this family and they begin to be called this as they uh, gained control over the temple and different areas in Israel. Now, because the temple had been defiled by all the, uh, the idol worship that had gone on and the pigs that had been sacrificed in the temple, they needed to restore that to go in, clean it out, so physically they would remove things, they would wash things down, but also then they would sanctify them again, they would purify it through prayer, through worship, the things that they were going to do, and that's what they began to do. And they wanted to light the menorah, because this is the symbol of Israel. There was no Hanukkah menorah before then. Can you just pull one out of there, just Jenny, please, off the... Is there one on there? Oh, we've got one here, yeah. This is one of the small ones. Okay, can you see that? Because that's got nine, nine branches. And there's one that's out at the front. Can you see one that's standing proud? The Shumash or the Servant, which refers to Jesus. They would light all the other candles from this particular one. But they didn't have this to begin with. They only had the seven-branch menorah. And they had enough oil. There was just enough in a flask for one day's uh, oil in the temple. But they thought, well, okay, they couldn't, they, they needed to get more oil. I guess it would need to go through a sanctification process as well as actually getting, obtaining the oil. Whatever it was that they needed to do, they knew that it would take eight days to get fresh supplies of oil and they only had one day's worth. It's a bit like you needing to go from Burton-on-Trent to the north of Scotland, let's say John O'Groats, and you've only got one gallon of petrol. And you think, well, I might be able to get 50 miles out of it, but you get all the way to John O'Groats on that one gallon of petrol. This one-day supply lasted eight days until the new supplies were available. So God performed an amazing miracle. And Suzanne made the point this morning that it wasn't just enough for the eight days. It only needed to burn for eight days because in eight days' time, the fresh supply was there and available. If it had been eight weeks, that oil would have burned for eight weeks. The miracle is that God can do anything. In Luke chapter 1, it says, All things are possible. Nothing or no thing. Actually, it says this is when uh, Mary has been told by Gabriel that she's going to have a child. And this statement is made, I think it's verse 37 in 57, is it? It says, no thing is impossible to him. And the word is Raymond. No, Raymond, no spoken word of God is devoid of power. It has the ability to do it. And so God is able to bring about a miracle in the situation. So they've only got one day's worth, but can you see it burning? It burned for the full eight days. <coughs> oh, tis, I, I thought it was the same. Do you like that? I've set that on fire for you. Do you like that? With modern technology. So... We're getting better. 
getting better. So the word Hanukkah, sometimes just spelt with a, an H, sometimes it's with a CH, um, it means dedication. That's why in John 10 we read that it was the Feast of Dedication. Um, it means uh, this Hanukkah celebration. And it reminds the Jews of this holiday to commemorate the rededication of the, of the temple. And the victory over uh, an army that was trained and God sorted them. Now, we know that Jesus was born at Tabernacles, don't we? Yes. yes. We know he wasn't born at Christmas. That's right. Uh-huh. He was born at Tabernacles and we celebrated that. But Jesus was conceived, we're fairly convinced about that, at Hanukkah because Jesus is the light of the world. So the miracle is this, whatever you need, he has it. Whatever you need, he, if he hasn't already got it, will make it. That's the literal translation of the scriptures. If we will believe, all things are possible. Or all. How many is all things? All, all things. Everything, anything is possible. That means that your situation can be turned around. Your family member can be saved. Yeah, one or two of you are convinced of that. Your family member can be born again, spirit-filled, worshipping the Lord at the front of the church, prophesying, praying, preaching even. God can turn it around. That loss that has taken place where the enemy has stolen finances, relationships, job opportunities, whatever it is, God can turn that around in a moment. Remember what I said? And if you've got a pen and paper, if the devil can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. If the devil can't steal your joy, he cannot keep your goods. So we're going to laugh at the devil when it looks like it's pretty bad, it's bleak, or I'm not feeling good when I wake up in the morning, you've got to laugh. Look in the mirror if you need to. Because that might make you laugh. If not, think about me and that might make you laugh anyway. So we've got to stir that up. We've got to stir that joy. That joy is eternal. That joy brings life. That joy brings strength. And we've got to learn to be joyful in the midst of whatever it is that's coming against us because then the enemy will not have. He wants to make us miserable. He wants to make us negative. He wants us to say things out of our mouths that gives him the authority to hang on to our goods. He wants us to say, there you go. They've just said, it's never going to change. I'm always going to be in this situation. I'll never get that back. I've lost that forever. God cannot make that up. He's waiting for you to say that out your mouth. He's got you. He's going to keep a hold of them goods. You ain't never going to get them till you change your confession. So, if you'll say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, 
Do not doubt, but believe that those things that you say will come to pass. If you do that, then you will have whatever you say. So our confession, what we say out of our mouths is so important. So, Lord, we want to thank you today. We bless you that you're the light of the world. We thank you that you were conceived. You came into the womb of Mary. There was that action that took place by the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the virgin birth. Lord, we proclaim it again, that, Lord, where some in the church do not believe in the virgin birth, we thank you for that birth. We thank you that Mary received the word from Gabriel, received the word from heaven and received it and activated her faith on that word and she received that word, she became pregnant and she brought you forth at the right time to be able to be that light of the world and begin to change this nation and and the, the, the whole human race and turn our lives around because of that light. And so we celebrate you at this time, Jesus. We celebrate you as we think about uh, Hanukkah and this feast, the Festival of Lights, the Feast of Dedication. We think about you coming into this world and being the light from heaven. And so we bless you for that. Lord, we thank you for the miracle of that oil that lasted as long as it needed to take. And Lord, we thank you that you have the supply that we need. We thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, that the Lord's provision is seen, will be seen continually over our lives. You know what we need in this coming season and we know that you've already provided whatever it is that we need. And so we want to thank you for that right now. We thank you for the turnarounds in those situations, those issues that are lying heavy on our hearts right now. Lord, we give them to you. We hand them over to you. We cast all of our cares on you once and for all because you care about us. We won't take them back, but we give them over to you right now in Jesus' name. We receive that rest that we've spoken about today. We receive and stand on that foundation of faith that nothing is impossible and we press into that place in Jesus' name. Amen Amen. and amen.